1: Statistically speaking, twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome is not a concern for the majority of twins, but it can be a serious complication for many twin pregnancies in which the babies share a placenta, and it can result in severe health problems and even death for one or both of the unborn twins. Today we are here with Mary Slaman of the Twin-to-Twin Transfusion Syndrome Foundation to raise awareness of this problem and help expecting twin parents to better understand what options they may have to combat it. This is Twin Talks.
2: The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better?
0: Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's
2: uncle's a twin. So
3: can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At
2: least you're not Octomom.
1: If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, parenting times two. Welcome to Twin Talks. Twin Talks is your online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. Want to know all about the episodes we've released so far? Visit the episode guide on our website at newmommymedia.com. That's also where you can subscribe to our newsletter to learn about our latest episodes. And if you like to listen to episodes on the go, then subscribe to Twin Talks on iTunes or download our free apps. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with Twin Talks.
4: All right, so we have different segments that our listeners can participate in, and this is a great way to become involved, especially if you're not quite ready to join us, you know, on the show on one of our topics and just kind of want to get your feet wet, this is a great way to do it. So first, we have a segment where you can ask all of the experts that we have listed on our website. Um, we call them our featured experts, our ask the experts. Um, this is a great uh, tool that you can use to ask them questions. So anything that relates to, you know, pregnancy, we've got some perinatologists that are on there, pediatricians, uh, lactation consultants, anything that would really impact your twins for the first five years or so of life, um, our experts are trained to, to know uh, more information about. So if you have questions, um, that it's not something immediate. Obviously, you need to seek immediate medical attention. You need to do that on, on your own. But if it's something that other parents could really benefit from and a question, a general question you have, we would love to explore that. So you can definitely submit your questions to us, and you can do that through the website. And also, we have a fun segment. In fact, we're going to do it a little bit later on the show called Twin Oops, and it's where our twin parents share uh, funny stories that have happened uh, between them and their twins and just raising twin parents, or perhaps it was something that happened during your twin pregnancy. And so we love to share those funny stories. So those are just a couple of the segments that we have on the show. You know, We'd love to have you participate in any of the segments that we have on our show, and you can find out more information about that on our website at newmommymedia.com. Just go to the show section and go down to Twin Talks, and you can find out more information there. And uh, yeah, so that's a couple of ways you can get involved.
1: Well, let's meet our parents and our expert today who are joining in our conversation about twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what your connection is with this disorder. And I'm going to start out with, with Mary. Um, I know as, as president of the foundation, I know this is a very um, personal connection for you. So so can you tell me about that?
3: Yes, I was diagnosed with twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome in 1989. At that time, there was no internet. There was really no way to reach out and connect with anyone to get extra help. And I delivered my twins, Matthew and Stephen. My son, Stephen, sadly passed away. And his brother, Matthew, survived and has helped me throughout his whole life with the foundation. And it really has become my life's conviction and my life's work.
1: Wow. Now, I can hear the emotion in your voice. I really appreciate that, that you're here with us. Um, Let me jump over to, let's see, so Brooke.
5: Hi, my name is Brooke, and I am a first-time parent, and I got pregnant with twins, so that was very emotional. And then as soon as we got into about 17 weeks or so, we started having complications with our pregnancy and got diagnosed with twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome along with previa, so it was a whole roller coaster, but the girls are here now. They just turned six months, Faith and Sophia, and Faith was my baby A, who was the smaller one, and she's still a little bit smaller than her sister, but they're healthy and growing, and... We got diagnosed just at stage one, so we did go up to the Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital to see Dr. Schmeit for a consult for surgery, but it never progressed to stage two where their bladders aren't emptying, so we, it was just kind of a week-by-week case, but I did have to be on five months of bed rest with a month-long hospital stay at the very end, so there was a lot involved with that. That's pretty much everything in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Thirty second,
1: (laughs) and and it's great to hear positive outcome, and you know, know we know it's not always positive, so that's why we're trying to really have just different perspectives on this episode. So I wanted to um, introduce Christine. Maybe you can just give us a snapshot of your experience.
2: Hi, my name is Christine Ivino. I'm connected to TTTS because I lost my twin boys in 2013. Um, I have a beautiful daughter. She is four, so she was my first child. I also have a 20 month old son, and I am 33 weeks pregnant right now. So I lost my boys, Robert and Christopher, in 2013. There's a lot of details to my story. I was 24 weeks pregnant. Um, I had the laser surgery. Well, I was really 22 and a half weeks pregnant. Um, and I lost them after the surgery. My number one concern about and challenge with TTTS is that there is not enough awareness. And I am so thankful that you are doing this podcast. Um, It really makes me happy. My OB and high-risk doctors did not properly care for me. I know this wasn't their intention, but for whatever reason it was, they delayed my treatment because they were not really following the protocol for twin-to-twins, well, when you have identical twins, there's a protocol to follow, really. And unfortunately, but fortunately, I met Mary, who has been amazing inspiration to me. I met her just, really, we got connected in the whole myths of going into labor early and having, um, you know, emergency laser surgery. So she was more of my connection after I lost the twins, but, you know, I do feel like my story is hopeful. It's sad, but it is hopeful because through Mary, with the help of her and um, and the foundation, uh, my husband and I have been advocates to spread awareness for TTDS. And that has really helped my healing. You know, I'm just so thankful for opportunities like this where we can spread awareness. And it just helps me honor Robert and Christopher.
1: Oh, uh, that's great. You know, and I, and I love that you're able to use your pain to something very positive. So I'm going to just see, jump to, uh, uh, Kristen. Yeah, I, goodness, I have a long story too, but I'll condense
6: it as good as I can. I got pregnant with the twins, which was a complete surprise. I do have three other children. And, um, but this was my first set of twins. And, um, everything, you know, I really didn't know anything about twins at all prior to this pregnancy. But, um, you know, they had kind of given us a heads up about what they would be looking for in ultrasounds. And they had mentioned the TTTS and they said, don't Google it, you know, Um, and don't worry about it. We'll be watching for it. And then if, you know, well, anyways, come to find out at about, let's see, 18 weeks. I started having fluid discrepancies and we went to Charlotte to speak with Dr. Stevenson and they did an evaluation. But I was not quite in I didn't have TTTS yet. She said that I might end up with it, but, you know, I didn't qualify quite yet for, which was great news. And then a week later, I went in for my ultrasound, and I had progressed very quickly. It was just absolutely the, it was just crazy how quick it progressed. So I guess week 19, I was uh, stage 3 at my doctor's office in Asheville, and they actually got me into Cincinnati for surgery within a couple of days, I guess we came home, and we left within a day to go up there. And the following day had all the, uh, all the scans they do and everything. And then I had my surgery. And um, I had really odd intermittent changes. So I went from a stage three back down to a stage two, it was very odd. But anyways, we were given a very poor prognosis for my donor twin. It was really sad. And thank goodness I had Mary because actually the first Uh, website that I came across when I did Google it against the doctor's (laughs) advice was Mary's and I was so glad to find the twin to twin uh, transfusion syndrome foundation because it was you know reliable information and everything was um, it wasn't all fear-based it was really such a positive experience I don't know what I would have done without her, honestly, but um, and they supported us through our entire surgery. She did the foundation did just in so many ways. They were there for me around the clock.
1: (laughs) Now that you know what, and I have to say, Kristen, I think that's so great to hear that the kind of support you got was not fear based. And so because I know this can be a super scary thing. And again, it's just, it's great to know that there are a variety of outcomes and we don't need to be afraid of those outcomes and just mm-hmm. focus on what we can do. So no, that's, that's very important to keep in mind. One more parent, Cassidy, thanks for your patience. No problem. <laughs> we just yeah, Give a little snapshot of uh, your experience. So yeah, my experience is a little bit
7: unique. It has a happy ending. So I have 20 month old girls, Arden and Hadley, and I, Am a weird person who (laughs) did not know that I was having twins. This is sort of a, a crazy story, but the short version is: my husband and I planned a home birth, and my pregnancy was fantastic. It went perfectly. All of my measurements everywhere along the road were perfect, and when it came time to do the ultrasound, we decided against it because everything had been so normal, and we thought there would have been you know, an indication somewhere if something was really not normal. So we thought an ultrasound is, you know, anything we learn from it isn't going to change what we do. So it turns out there would have been a really good reason to check. And we were having <laughs> two. So my twins were born at home at 37 weeks. And when our baby A came out first, um, she was only four pounds. And that was the first clue that I wasn't done yet. Um, so baby B turned out to be over 7 pounds, which was the baby we were feeling the whole time. And sort of after the fact, we learned that most likely they had been in a TTTS situation, but we didn't know about it, and everything turned out totally fine. And all of my Googling after the fact was made me <laughs> really grateful that things turned out as well as they did because now I know everything that could have happened. And had we known, we absolutely would have gone through everything and um, done whatever the, the doctors told us to do, but we didn't. And so it's a don't try this at home situation,
1: <laughs> but everything it's is the great. a cautionary tale that it turned out okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, we're glad that you did have a positive outcome because obviously things could have been different. Yes, very different. um, Yes, no, thank you.
0: When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork a revolutionary baby monitor is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file.
4: Alright, so before we dive into our conversation today, um, I found this headline, and usually our headlines focus more on twin babies or perhaps twin pregnancy. And this, I thought, was a good reminder of just how twins can help each other out throughout life. And so this was a, a, a headline that I found. These twins are grown. Um, they're fraternal boy twins, men. They're men now. Um, they're actually in the military. And I couldn't find out uh, where they were. It's really interesting. They didn't list their age that I'm aware of in this article, which I thought was kind of strange. But, anyways, they are, they actually have reverse initials. So one's RJ and one's JR uh, Rivera, is uh, their name. And this is out of Virginia Beach, a military town, if you guys are familiar. And so the the article is about how well, one of the twins, uh, JR, donated one of his kidneys to RJ because RJ was found to have, uh, he was diagnosed with IgA nephro. Which is basically um, something that affects your kidneys, and he would be on dialysis if he didn't have a kidney transplant. And so um, this was just about his fraternal brother uh, donating the kidney. And according to the, everything turned out okay, and the procedure went fine. Um, And now, you know, there wasn't much of a, you know, there was really no waiting list, right? It wasn't that the the other twin had to wait for any period of time because his twin said that he was going to do it and he did end up doing it and the, the doctor said that for fraternal twins um, which is a little bit different than what we're talking about today but that you know it was kind of like you know the chance of it matching and you know everything turning out okay was the same as it would be for regular uh, siblings and so it was a good match and everything turned out well and and um, I know this isn't always the case but I like to kind of show these kind of articles and just kind of be kind of an uplifting you know source of information for us to know that even when the parents are kind of I don't I say out of the picture because you know the, the article doesn't really talk too much about the parents but this was a decision that the twins made for each other and to know even way past birthing our babies and you know those toddler years and getting them into school and all of that that twins can still have an enormous impact on one another medically speaking and so yeah i just thought it was a nice article to kind of share we'll go ahead and we'll post the link to our facebook page if you guys want to check it out and uh yeah share it that way
1: Well, today we're here to talk about a medical condition that's called twin to twin transfusion syndrome. And joining us is Mary Slayman of the, I'm going to say TTTS foundation, where we'll just abbreviate here. And we have a, a group of parents who have experienced this condition. So, um, Mary, you know, can you help us understand a little bit more about this condition in general? I mean, like what type of twin pregnancies are affected by this?
3: Twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, or TTTS, is a random disease of a monochorionic placenta. So it's one placenta shared by two or more babies, which could be twins or babies in a higher-order pregnancy, such as triplets, quads, or more. It can and has been reported in dichorionic, diamniotic pregnancies, but it's extremely rare, and that's where the two placentas would be fused. When that happens, it's really crucial for the placentas to be analyzed after birth with a pathologist and it, pictures taken so it can be formally written up and recorded. So we know it, it's only
1: identicals because only identical, I should say, oh, sorry, identicals have uh, are possibly sharing a placenta. We know that fraternals don't share a placenta. But I think you're also saying that in the case of, there are some cases of fraternal twins who have placentas that could have this as well, but although more rare. So the main focus is the monochorionic twins. I
3: hope I'm getting that right. Correct. Monochorionic, one placenta and two amniotic sacs. Monochorionic, diamniotic. Okay, good to know.
1: So now can you describe kind of in layman's terms, so what exactly is
3: TTTS? I mean, what's the condition itself? Well, you go back to... After conception, when the embryo splits between four and eight days after you conceive, the umbilical cords will randomly attach to the one placenta that they're going to be sharing. The cords are basically claiming their space, and the blood vessels form in such a way that it's predetermined at some point in the pregnancy, the syndrome is going to be triggered. So the way I describe it to parents in very layman terms is that I have them visualize a capital letter H, The two outer lines of the H represent independent blood vessels that go from the placenta to one baby's umbilical cord just to that baby alone to nourish that baby. And then there's blood vessels from the placenta that go to the second baby's umbilical cord just to that baby alone. And that's what's called placental share, how much placenta nourishes each baby separately. This is not TTTS, but it's a very important part of a monochorionic pregnancy that parents need to understand because often you'll have one baby that's larger than the other, and many parents think that that is TTTS or they're going to get it for that reason, which is not necessarily true. What it could mean is that you may deliver sooner than expected because the smaller baby runs out of its share of placenta. Now, is
1: this something that it just happens overnight or does it gradually develop over time? Uh, so is that, I mean, is it, you know, worsened? So... When would expectant moms first discover this?
3: Well, it's crucial for a pregnant mother to get an ultrasound as early as possible to find out if she's pregnant with twins, as early as eight weeks, but definitely within the first 12 weeks, because they can 100% see that thin dividing membrane within the first three months. If they find out they're pregnant with twins, they immediately need to ask, is there one placenta or two? If there is one placenta, they need to get in the care of a high-risk maternal fetal medicine or a perinatologist doctor, by 16 weeks of pregnancy, they need weekly ultrasounds with that doctor until birth. So often the first symptom that they're going to feel is too much amniotic fluid that's going to cause a lot of pain, shortness of breath.
1: Too much amniotic fluid. And so this is being measured when they go to a specialist, a maternal fetal medicine specialist, and I, I can remember all those tests, <laughs> and they were, you know, looking at blood flow and measuring the volume of the amniotic fluid. So this is just as part of a regular screening process that's done at their the um, MFM's office.
3: It's all based on ultrasound. So if you go back to that visualizing the capital letter H example, the outer two lines of the H are the placental share how the babies get their blood separately. But with twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, we focus on the middle line of a capital H. Those are blood vessels that are shared between the babies. There's blood circulating between the two babies through the shared vessels. They cross the placenta left to right, right to left. These are the vessels that cause twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. These are the vessels that they shoot a laser on to seal shut when they do laser surgery. So all monochorionic placentas will have shared blood vessels. However, the majority of the time, about 80% of the time, the babies are circulating blood back and forth in a very balanced way with no ill effect to the babies. But about 20% of the time could be higher. The placenta sends more blood to one baby, who's called the recipient twin, who then urinates more, which is amniotic fluid. So the mother will be possibly gaining weight quickly within a day or two, People might say, gosh, you look like you're ready to deliver. Her clothes don't fit when they did the night before. The placenta then sends less than normal amounts of blood to the other twin called the donor baby who will urinate little to none. So there will be little to no amniotic fluid. The blood flow between the babies through the shared vessels in this example is not balanced. And that is how the syndrome begins.
1: So it begins with, um, I mean, an, an imbalance of the blood flow and does it progress into something worse in in that? And I think I've heard from our guests that um, they're talking
3: about different stages. What, what are these stages? Well, uh, we do have a list of 15 questions on our website that we can link to the public and when asking those questions, which is the same questions a laser center is going to want to know the answers to, the first question involves the amniotic fluid. So when you look at the ultrasound, you see your baby, there's a blackness around the baby. That's the amniotic fluid, and they measure the biggest width of black. So it's two centimeters to eight centimeters is the normal width of black or amniotic fluid, the deepest pocket. Stage one is when you have one baby's amniotic fluid goes above eight centimeters and the other baby goes below two. Stage two is when you don't visualize the bladder of the smaller donor baby any longer. It's still there, but it's not urinating enough to show. And you need to look on ultrasound for at least 30 minutes to see a baby urinate. Stage three is when they do the dopplers, the blood flow through the umbilical cords, and they also can do the blood flow through into the brain if those Dopplers are not normal in any way, that becomes stage three. And then stage four is called um, when you see high drops in the recipient baby who gets too much blood flow and has too much amniotic fluid. There's no more room for this amniotic fluid and or urine to go, and it starts to absorb this into the baby's body. So you'll see edema It's absolutely terrifying to see this on ultrasound. And if you're in the care of a doctor who is very misinformed, they may think that the pregnancy's over, that there's no hope for the baby, which is not true. Stage five, unfortunately, very sadly, is the loss of one or both of the twins. Wow. So from a health standpoint of the
1: babies, it sounds like, I mean, edema is one of them just because I'm sure there are some... Other effects that can happen, having that or just not being able to circulate that extra
3: fluid in the
1: body. What are some of the other health concerns for the babies?
3: It depends on what stage that you're in. Stage one, again, it can be very mild. It You may go to stage two, you may get better. Nobody ever thinks about it getting better, but it can. But basically, both babies are at risk. It's life-threatening. They're both at risk for heart failure, but for opposite reasons. So the baby getting too much blood flow, the recipient twin, is pumping a lot of extra blood flow, and the heart is a muscle. It can get very tired over time, and that baby can pass away just from overloading the cardiovascular system. The other baby is opposite, and it can pass away just from extreme anemia, not getting enough. We recorded another
1: episode, and I think I we're familiar with the twin polycyremith, uh anemia, and I know I'm... I'm- saying, but I think, and that's where, um, the twins are not getting the correct amount of blood flow and that's affecting the name. Is that what you're talking
3: about? Um, it's not necessarily the same thing, but I mean, it's similar. That's taps where usually it's often referred to as acute TTTS. It comes on very suddenly toward the end of a pregnancy. You have one baby that's born very purple and one baby that's very white. It can happen when you do laser surgery and they do not laser all the connecting blood vessels. And by you know maybe it was very small, they couldn't see it, and they can develop symptoms again. It, it's a form of TTTS. But with TAPS, usually you don't have the fluid imbalance. Stage 3 is when the Dopplers are not normal. They should do a Doppler on the umbilical cord, but also the middle cerebral arbor- artery of the brain. And there can be a very different in the number of the brain as far as detecting anemia. You know, one baby can have too many red blood cells than the other. If they can do that ahead of time, sometimes they can have some insight that the syndrome is coming, or just you know the taps is coming, and they have to watch it more closely to possibly deliver sooner. Well, I mean it's it's great to know that
1: we have technology available that allows for better uh, monitoring. So I'm I can say I'm thankful for that certainly. Now, how can expecting twin moms know if they might be at risk? So let's say they find out they're pregnant with twins. And their doctor says, yep, it looks like they're identical and they believe it. it, they are uh, monochorionic. What do they need to know if they are at a higher risk?
3: The most important moment is the OB transferring their care to the high-risk doctor, which historically, it's really the number one crisis that I've seen over the last 25 years is many OBs who are wonderful, but there's probably more that are just very misinformed and they want to keep the mom who has multiples as possibly a status symbol, or they just feel that, yes, I've done this before, I can do it again, and they don't forward the mom on. And you need to forward the mom on immediately. It can't be at 18 weeks or 20 weeks. It should be within the first trimester. So if a mom is not getting forwarded on, they may not even know what an MFM doctor is, but that's the most important part is to get in the care If they're at 18 weeks and they're not getting referred to an MFM,
1: then that's a very serious sign. So anyone listening, if you're carrying identicals,
3: you should be seeing an MFM, right? Well, you have to understand that laser surgery can be done as early as 16 weeks of pregnancy. So if you had the syndrome at 16 weeks, let's say you had too much amniotic fluid, you just thought it was weight gain you had shortness of breath, you call your OB. And I think one of the guests today went through this herself is that most OBs, you don't usually get to the doctor, but maybe a nurse who says, that's just typical for twins, or you've never been pregnant before. This is what you're going to feel. We'll see you at the next appointment. And the mom is trying so hard. She knows something isn't right, but everyone's going to want to feel better if someone says everything's fine, but it's really not fine. What happens is a lot of the times the syndrome has progressed much worse when they go to their appointment than if they could have just been seen sooner. At 18 weeks, you could lose both your babies. If you got in sooner, you could have had the surgery and they were already better. So we're, we're talking about the
1: different types of diagnoses and the, the process behind that. And, and you've mentioned treatment as well, like laser surgery particularly. Is that the main treatment option available to the moms sounds like it's pretty new.
3: Has it been around um, very recently? The laser surgery was actually first performed 27 years ago. So when I was pregnant, if my doctors had told me about the surgery, I would have been the second mom in the world to get it. I had very negligent care myself. And one of the best things that happened in this cause is the invention of the internet, which was around 1995. Once the internet came to be, parents were able to find the foundation, they learned about the laser surgery, and they many got very angry and went back to their doctors, you know, why didn't you tell me about this? I'd like to learn more about it. And that's what happened in the medical community is that it became much more acceptable and more laser centers came to be. And so when I was pregnant, There were still doctors that would do reductions. That's pretty much all we had. And they would drain the fluid off of the baby that had too much amniotic fluid. They still do that today. It's still offered. It's still a good option. It just depends on what symptoms the babies have. You actually have to qualify for laser surgery. You can't just get it because you want it or you read about it. But it is considered the first choice for mostly stage two and higher. Moms really should go on horizontal rest. That helps send more blood and oxygen to the placenta. It takes pressure off the uterus. And there has been some research in slowly sipping high-protein drinks throughout the day, such as Boost High Protein or other similar drinks like that, because the mom can become very malnourished. And so these are things that, that she can do right away as they're devising a good medical plan.
1: And, you know, as as far as the laser surgery goes, can you tell us a little bit about the statistics for laser surgery? I mean, do we have any
3: success rates available? I think what's really important for parents to know is that the laser centers, there's about 20 in the country right now, are really the true TTTS experts. And to never really put 100% faith and any of their doctors, it's important for them to reach out and contact the laser centers themselves, ask their doctors to do the same and transfer medical records over, of course. But every laser center is going to have different statistics for the surgery that they do. They're all going to have different levels of experience. Some may have only done 100 surgeries. Someone else may have done 1,000 surgeries. So it's really important for them to be involved in reaching out to get that. But all we know is that it's a very life-threatening situation for the babies, but I don't want parents to be afraid. I want them to always celebrate finding out that they're pregnant with identical twins. It's a complete miracle and joy. And not to be afraid to learn about TGTS because it will empower you and uplift you and create a better medical care for your babies. And that's what I do with the foundation is if I'm talking to someone They're usually crying and in shock and can't speak at the beginning of a conversation. And my goal is at the end that they're maybe even like laughing, like they are so much stronger and they know what to do and they know what questions to ask. And if some doctor says something can't be done, they know to reach out to another doctor and get multiple opinions.
1: That's a great note. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with our parents about their experience in getting diagnosed and treated for TTTS.
0: Waiting on a tax
2: return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues.
1: So just wanted to get a little bit more um, personal perspective um, from our moms that are on the line. You, know, you could just take a moment and just tell us a little bit about how in your situation were you diagnosed with TTTS and what type of treatment did you receive?
5: So it was around 17 weeks when my doctor noticed that there was something off. But I felt like the whole time they were kind of looking at me, even when they sent me to specialty obstetrics up in Del Mar, that the whole time they are just downplaying, oh, it's not a big deal. If it is TTS, you know, you just go get this simple surgery. And it's not a big deal. And so I got sent to the specialist and they contacted Dr. Schmidt, which ended up being I was so lucky that we lived in San Diego and that he was located in Hollywood because I guess there's only a handful of surgeons in the country that can even perform this procedure. So it wasn't like – we lived in Texas and had to fly out, you know, to California. So anyway, they were on the phone with him, and he got a hold of our scans and whatnot, and he wanted to go ahead and see us. So prior to going up there, his nurse called me and was like, "Okay, um, so just so you know, we have this new segment that goes over everything, the whole surgery. Why don't you go ahead and check that out so you have an idea of what's." Gonna possibly happen. We're gonna schedule you for surgery just in case we need to move. Then, so I go onto their website completely blindsided because I felt like the whole time everyone was just kind of downplaying. They probably didn't want to get me scared, which I could see that. But I ended up having to call out at work because I was just so distraught, and I was like, "What? They're gonna like put lasers in me, and like my babies could possibly die." And And then we went up to see the specialist specialist and he diagnosed us with just stage one. We just had the measurements and we didn't need surgery because he only liked to perform surgery around the 24 week mark. And if you're at stage two, so we went home and I remember that car ride the air conditioning broke. So we were up in Hollywood. And it was hot as hell. And I it was just like a whirlwind of emotions. Like I wanted to wail this cry. It was just so heartbreaking to know that one could die, both of them could die. And just knowing like, it was just a wait and see prognosis. You know, there's nothing, even them, they just wanted to wait and see it was just really in God's hands. So I really had like a come to Jesus moment and just like a lot of prayer and tears and relying on friends and family. And throughout the rest of my pregnancy, you know, every week I went and got scanned and our numbers were right, right below where it would be concerned. And I had to spend five months on bed rest. And um that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. middle of summer. So it was so hot. And I'm like, huge and just stuck in a bed and rely on people to feed me like I could barely take a shower and um but the good news is is that they got here they're fine and I ended up d- naming my daughter baby a who was like the, the smaller baby I named her faith because through this whole experience I really found my faith with her and just so thankful that God let us keep our babies and Yeah, so that's pretty much my experience, but it was definitely a hard pill to swallow to know, because you're so excited, like you're pregnant, and I was working with a few other girls who were pregnant, and I was like, well, I'm having twins, and then the reality of having twins is that it's automatically a high risk pregnancy because your body's not supposed to make two babies. Then if you have identical twins, it goes up a little bit further on the high risk pregnancy. And then all these other things start coming to play. And it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot.
1: It is definitely a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brooke. Now for sharing your story. And you know, um, now I want to catch uh, Christine since I know yours was a very different experience. And you
2: should, right. Yeah. Yes. And I love hearing stories of hope about uh, babies, identical twins. I think it's beautiful. And there is so much hope and there's so many babies saved. So I just want to start with that. But yet yeah, my experience, I was totally blindsided by having twins. We wanted to have another baby, but we did not expect to have twins. I was really sick throughout my pregnancy. And right about Uh, around Christmas time, I was probably around like 21 weeks. I mean, I was sick throughout the whole pregnancy. I started to feel really sick around 21 weeks. I kind of was thinking that something was wrong. I was calling my OB a lot. And it's just really sad to me because I did try to reach out to my OB about my symptoms. And every time I called, I kept getting, oh, you're, you know, it could be round ligament pain, it could be this, it could be food poisoning. And the last time I did speak with my OB, she said, well, what do you expect? You know, you're having twins. This is what happens. And I said, you know, she actually, before all this happened, my OB and high risk, um, and I live in New York, these are supposed to be like the Mecca of great doctors. And one of my high risks is all over some of the major hospitals, you know, around the area. I mean, you know, so it doesn't really make a difference, I think. It's just you kind of have to be an advocate, I guess, for yourself. But they also advised me not to Google anything. So I kind of just left it in their hands. And, uh, you know, I kept calling and asking them what's going on. And I said textbook twin-to-twin symptoms to my OB, you know, that I felt suddenly huge. It's that sudden weight gain that you have to really – Look out for, and she just told me that's what you expect. You're having twins, so she told me to wait and stay home. And that was on a Wednesday, I was calling about a week early with all complaints. Then by Friday, I went in and she said, Oh no, something's wrong. Go to your high risk. I went to the high risk, he said, Oh no, something's wrong, and he ushered me off to my genetic counselor. At this point, neither of my doctors ever spoke to me about twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. They maybe said two times I asked them, but it was all upon my initiation. And it was always, don't worry, it's so rare, your babies are going to be fine. And I was sent to the genetic counselor, and, you know, I'm in total shock. I'm crying. I was alone there. And um, she just said to me, you know, I've never even heard of this disease. And what she was doing was try to set me up with an appointment with specialist in New York City, to uh, you know to take a look at me and possibly do the laser surgery. But none of this was made clear to me. It was just we're trying to make an appointment. I I mean I was just so you know you're just devastated. And then I was sent home to uh, to wait. I waited four days till my appointment. And you know with twin to twin is you are so swollen with extra fluid. I mean I was twenty. Three weeks by the time I got to New York City the specialist said you're like a 40 week gestation size they drained like five liters of fluid out of me wow I was, oh my gosh yeah and what happens you know Mary was has been so great with the foundation she, after I lost my babies you know it really helps in the healing process to talk to experts she even got me in touch with Dr. Dalia who pioneered um this laser surgery. And, you know, he informed me, he's like, at that point, your whole body is shutting down, like your baby's bodies are shutting down. But so is the mother's, you know, you're swelling everywhere. So by the time I got to the specialist in New York City, they were really shocked that I had waited. But this was all advised by my high risk. And they told me the horrible statistics and, you know, you're just, again, devastated and you just want to run. Like I literally almost ran out. I did. I ran out of the office because I'm like, I can't hear this. But they said, you know, you're going to go into labor like in hours. So I didn't really have a choice of getting to another hospital where they possibly do more surgeries. But the specialists in New York City were really good to me. And... The next day, sure enough, I started contracting and I had to, I also signed up. I said, fine, let's do the laser surgery. And um, by the time I got there, they had to delay the surgery because I was contracting. But eventually they did get to do the surgery and it was, I had a very complicated, uh, you know, case of twin to twin. By the time I went to New York City, they said it was stage three, but my OB, the high risk OB was saying that I had um, stage one on Friday. So from from like Friday to Tuesday, it progressed that fast, you know, or I mean, I don't know, maybe it was, it's just, it just progresses really, really quickly. And sadly, after an hour of having the laser surgery, I lost my first uh, baby, twin A, uh, Robert. I think the surgery was just too much for him and um, we lost him. And then um, a week later, we also lost my second baby, Christopher.
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm just I can only imagine mm. you know, week, a week apart. I mean, it's hard enough to lose your babies. Yeah. But then you've lost one and you're grieving for him. But then you've got hope for the other one and sort of in this right. limbo place of limbo and wondering and oh, I, I oh, that would be horrible. I can just only imagine. Yeah.
2: It was a rough time. It was a really rough time. And I was just trying to remain calm to, you know, help save uh, my second baby, uh, Christopher. But it's very difficult. And again, I'm just so happy that everyone is talking about it. And the thing that has gotten me through this is just trying to honor my babies in any way that I can. And we do an annual balloon lift and my children are involved and I try as much as I can. I I send out bereavement packages for the Twin to Twin Transfusion Foundation to other mothers of loss. I went to private therapy. I go to a bereavement group for infant loss. You know, all of these things has really helped me. And I feel like, you know, in that way, there's some hope and positivity because we just have to keep trying to save more babies and getting more information out there. So, you know, something, you know, because in my mind, I'm constantly questioning what if? What if I got there sooner? You know, so I don't want that to happen to another uh, family.
1: Yeah. The support aspect is so important. I know we're going to get to that in just just a few minutes. So, I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk to um, Cassidy um, as well as Kristen. You guys have been very patient in sharing your stories. So, uh, maybe Cassidy, you can give us a little nutshell of your experience in both the diagnosis and the treatment of TTTS. Sure.
7: So, my story is sort of unique in that I didn't have any treatment. Um, and the diagnosis, I think we'll never know hundred percent for sure that it was TTTS because it's diagnosed based on measurements that we never had taken. And I didn't have any, I mean, I didn't have symptoms of having twins at all. So, um, I don't know. I'm just a, a freak of nature, I guess. But as far as treatment after, so after the girls were born and we were totally blindsided by the fact that we had two babies, and because they were three weeks early, we weren't ready because it was my first pregnancy. So we expected them to be, well, we expected the one baby we induced to be at least past my due date. So like we didn't have the nursery set up. We didn't have any clothes. We only had one car seat. We just, we were not oh ready. Gosh. <laughs> so it was a big morning. Um, but so they were born at home with a midwife who was a twin mom herself, which was a major lifesaver for us. Um, and she immediately was like, this is beyond my level of expertise. So she called a pediatrician friend who recommended that we go get some tests done because if it was really what she suspected, then we needed to make sure that they were okay. And this was based on what the placenta looked like and what they looked like and their size differences. So we went into the hospital and had their hemoglobin levels tested because we were worried about heart issues. And they were one was on the very low side and one was on the very high side, but they weren't alarming enough to really, it was more like a. these things seem okay, we're going to wait and see, and everything turned out fine. We ended up staying at the hospital for a few days just to keep an eye on things because we were, you know, every, everything was different now. But fortunately, everything turned out really well, and I'm so grateful for that. And at the same time, I wouldn't change a thing because, I mean, you other moms are amazing because having to have, have gone through the stress of everything that comes along with a twin pregnancy and a TTTS diagnosis, it would have drastically changed our outcomes, I think. I mean, it's so stressful to go through that, and we were ignorantly plodding along happily, so I I really think things would have turned out differently had we been dealing with the weight of this diagnosis, and who knows what would have been different. But we are thankful every day that our girls are healthy, and they got here somewhat differently than other twins. The Googling after the fact and the talking to the doctors in the hospital was definitely sort of a a scary thing, especially to have them in my arms and have one be tiny and pale and one be much bigger and very red um, because of the differences in their blood. Um, but they're healthy, and so that's sort of my odd take on this. And I've (laughs) done a lot of research (laughs) since. And yeah, the more I learn, the more I'm in awe of anyone who goes through this and, you know, in real time, and doesn't just have it dropped in their lap.
1: Yes. (laughs) Because I think, yeah, I I can imagine that sometimes the knowledge, I mean, the knowledge is power. But as you said, you can be completely unaware and, and blissful. But if you do have that knowledge, there's the emotions that go with that and the responsibility that goes with that. And it, I'm, I'm sure it can be very burdensome. Um, I wanted to check in with Kristen. Um, so you've been waiting. So if you, yeah, you can tell us about your experience and the, how you were diagnosed as well.
6: Well, I had gone, actually I had three other kids and all home births and very easy, <laughs> easy, like kind of pregnant situation. So this was a whole new deal, but I did go in for an ultrasound kind of early on and, realized I had twins. So I was automatically put through to maternal fetal medicine group, which was actually great because they were wonderful. And they were definitely really on top of everything as far as um, knowing a lot about TTTS and that sort of thing. Of course, they said not to worry about it. It's very rare and that sort of thing. But I did end up um, having TTTS. And um, so it 18 weeks. I kind of started pre-TTTS and then I think it was Brooke that said hers went really fast. But yeah, it was really, really fast. It just transitioned within a couple of days. I had all of a sudden, I knew something was wrong. My abdomen got really tight and distended and I was just not feeling right. And I actually went in a day before my appointment was scheduled for my ultrasound and I just showed up and was like, something's wrong. And so that's when they noticed that I was in stage three, or that's what they classified it that day, stage three. And they immediately called and scheduled an appointment for me to go to um, Cincinnati. And it was all absolutely terrifying. Got to Cincinnati and they did the scans. And like I had said before, I was really lucky to have Mary because there's a lot of doom and gloom with the doctors. I mean, I loved some of my doctors, and then some could be very doom and gloom. And ter- it's just terrifying sitting down for that big group meeting. And um, But to have Mary on my side so I could call her, <laughs> her was really helpful because she's always positive and uplifting, which was wonderful. Um, but we actually had a successful surgery. I had five vessels that the babies shared, which they had thought that there was going to be a lot more given my staging and that sort of thing. But there wasn't both babies were fine. Uh, They did say that on the MRI scan, uh, that my donor baby, uh, they didn't feel like one of the doctors felt like she was going to suffer severe brain damage from the imaging, but you can't go by imaging alone to really Diagnose much of anything. So she's beat the odds. They didn't, he didn't feel like she would make it through the surgery and she did. He didn't feel like if she made it through the surgery that she would ever be able to, uh, do anything or be, make it through birth, the birth process. And both babies were born. They, we actually had to get induced. We made it to 36 weeks and, uh, I probably would have still be pregnant now if they hadn't induced me. And both girls, they their APGAR scores were great, and they didn't have to go to the NICU. And my donor baby, she does have a much smaller, she was right there on that borderline microcephaly with her head size circumference, because she did most likely suffer some almost like strokes with lack of blood flow. But with that said, the doctors, uh, you know, after she was born, they were very positive. They were you know, with her Apgars being so good, they said she might just need to catch up a little bit. And um, she's feeding great. And both babies are right on track. And so it's been like a blessing. The surgery was, it was amazing.
1: Everything was amazing. (laughs) And terrifying. Yes, amazing and terrifying. That's probably a great (laughs) way to summarize it. So Mary, um, you know, we've heard about a really variety of experiences here. So maybe you can tell me, in your dealing with with families who have just been recently diagnosed with TTTS, what do you tell them who are who are struggling with that?
3: I really want them to know that their babies are just so extra special that they just need to look at this as getting extra special care for their babies. That. There's really tremendous hope for them. There's nothing wrong with the babies. The focus needs to be on the placenta. What can we do to make the placenta function better? And no matter what they see on the ultrasound, it can be reversible, even at stage four. No matter what a doctor might say, I've helped many people with babies in stage four completely turn around and have normal, healthy babies when they're born. So I just want them to really enjoy finding out that they're pregnant with twins And I know that they're in shock and devastated, but that there's hope and that I'm not going anywhere, that I'm going to be with them through this process. And if they need help flying to a laser center, then the foundation will help pay for that. We'll just do whatever we can to be of help to them. And just for them to have hope that this can all turn around and to just focus on the 15 questions that we have, the answers to those questions for their babies is what they really need to focus on, not necessarily what happened to someone else, because every placenta is unique and different.
1: That's a great summary that um, we really can't expect to have the same experience as someone else. And we should remain very hopeful and positive and i like what you said earlier that sometimes it's just getting to the right care provider who understands the challenges and and i know what it's, it's we have to be our own health advocates so i just want to encourage everyone out there <laughs> this like you know other conditions just get educated and know what your options are and talk to your provider and then mary maybe you could tell us a little bit about the type of support that you offer through your foundation
3: The support that the TDTS Foundation offers is really full circle from finding out you're pregnant with twins to being diagnosed all the way through the treatment, if your babies are in the NICU, if they have special needs, and unfortunately, if there's the loss of one or both babies. So I spend a lot of time on the phone, hours on the phone, hours in social media. We have seven different groups on Facebook for all those different categories of diagnosed, special needs, NICU, loss of one, loss of both, and survivors. So I'm always trying to make sure that they're surrounded with people who have been through what they're going through that can uplift them and make them know that they're not alone going through this. And I had a very devastating experience. There wasn't the internet. There was no one to talk to. I spent a good seven, eight months on bed rest just watching the seasons change. And I tell people I'm not a good role model for how I got through it at all. But what they can take from me is to really make sure that they get in the care of doctors that would even give them their cell phone. I mean, there's doctors out there that do that. And any family member that wants to talk to me, a mother, you know, grandmother, the father, I do a lot of support on speakerphone with families in the room. I do everything I can to just get everyone on the same page and let them understand that they're they're not alone, that hundreds of people are going to be praying for them. And throughout the entire process, we're going to be there for them.
1: Wow, Mary, you know, I have to just say, I applaud you for, oh my gosh, all of your efforts over the last, uh, I think, 27 years. I can only imagine how many thousands of families that you've helped over this time. And just bringing so much more awareness and comfort to so many families. And I know it's great that we have guests on today who've both been recipients of support and now they're continuing on in the giving of um, offering support to other families experiencing this. So it just, I have to say, it just, it touches me personally. I I really applaud you and appreciate that.
3: Thank you. I, when I talk to people, honestly, I'm almost talking to myself that 24-year-old girl laying in bed who didn't have anybody to talk to, I almost envisioned me on the other end. And I really, truly, from my heart, I want to make it better for them than it was for me.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Well, thanks so much to our parents for joining us today and be sure to visit our episode page on our website for more information about TTTS, as well as links to additional resources. This conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. And after the show, we're going to talk with Mary about how her foundation is supporting families through this trial of TTTS. And for more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, newmommymedia.com.
4: All right, so before we wrap up our show, we're going to talk about a twin oops. So this is a segment that uh, our listeners can participate in. I was telling you guys about earlier. It's one of my favorite segments because it just allows us to kind of share our funny stories. And this one comes from Carrie. We posted this on the Multiples of America Facebook page, and this is what she responded with. She says, um, my boys started looking totally identical around the two-month mark. So one night I was brave enough to put them in matching jammies, but I kept their hats on so I could tell them apart. Well, I went to change them before bed, and it's warmer upstairs than downstairs. The changing table is upstairs in their room. So I pulled their hats off, and I was just la dying while changing diapers, and I totally forgot which one I was changing. So I had to strip them down and look at their belly buttons, because one of my twins has an innie twin an A, and then B has an outie. So that's how I was able to finally tell them apart. And I think we can all, you know, everybody that has identical twins, I think we can kind of be like, yeah. Yeah. There's been some times that I've had to do a double take, you know, at the very least and been like who's who now. So, mixing up twins can be kind of easy depending on <laughs> depending on how much your twins look alike, right? <laughs> Well, Carrie, thanks so much for sending this in. We really do appreciate it. If anyone has a twin oops out there that you want to share with us, we would love to share it on the show. You can visit our website at newmommymedia.com and leave us a voicemail. You can do that straight through the website, or you can just send us an email, and then you can also comment on our Facebook page, and we'll be happy to share it on our show.
1: Well, that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Give Breast Milk to Their Babies. Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, and Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms. This is Twin Talks Parenting Times 2.
2: This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
4: How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com.
0: With the Lucky Lance Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.